This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Right back at it. 24 hours later, Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Real Kipper at Bourne. Justin, I'm not used to these back-to-backs. I, I was spoiled all those years, even on Hockey Central <laughs> at noon, man. I'd go Monday, take Tuesday off, come back Wednesday, take another day off Thursday, wrap it up Friday. Is that now, right? Now I'm, I'm old, and I'm working more than ever now. Did you for real, you when you were on Hockey Central, it wasn't every day before? No. No. <laughs> you, no. Wow. You had I a talked, gig. You had a I talked gig. them into I talked in I talked them into that I, I can't work every day. I mean no, it's just No, how could right? you? Yeah. I'm not I'm a hockey player, man. I'm not a professional broadcaster. Yeah. Twenty years in the biz. At that point you'd have might have been fifteen years in, they still bought it. That was a pretty cushy gig you had. That's why I lasted twenty one. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure I might last past a year if I'm working every day here, but yeah. let's let's give it a crack here. Um, you know, I'm watching last night that barn burner be- between the Leafs and the Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, you know what I wanted to ask you before we get into all the details of what you saw last night? Yeah. Um, how is it just me? Like, I know I've been away for a little while, but I, I am noticing a new fashion style between Amber Elliott and Stewie again (laughs) last night. I saw it in the first exhibition game, and I'm thinking, well, I don't know, maybe it's just my eyes, you know, with some of these colors. And then last night, I'm watching these three guys, and I'm like, is there like a shag carpet or fireplace not too far off? Because they're, (laughs) they're looking like they should have a glass of whiskey with them. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I can't say I didn't notice. I don't know if you saw, but Keith, uh, Keith Olbermann called them out on Twitter last night. He was like, uh, he's like, I didn't know it was a, something like he didn't know it was Canadian Easter, but everyone dress appropriately. I think he was referencing all the purple on in, the, uh, in their outfits. So you were oh the only one who took notice. God. They, they look like an old, remember that Wiser commercial? Remember that one with the, with the slow clap? And they're all just sitting around with their ja- their smoking jackets. And then all of a sudden, they just start slow clapping. And I thought that would have been perfect for, for Amber to look at Elliot and say, Elliot, uh, how about Engvall's performance last night? And then Elliot would just slowly look over to him and do this. <laughs> you know, I... Welcome to the Society of Uncompromising Men. I think we just gave On That was fast, Sammy. Nice job, buddy. I'm like... That's really good. Oh, is that Derek? I can't tell behind the glass. It's those glasses I'm wearing now. Hey, uh, that was fantastic, Derek, by the way. <laughs> that was quick. I was, you know, that's the, I think that's the again. idea now, right? Is the, uh, the, the cool laid back look, you know, it's not as stuffy. Uh, we're, we're the, we're the new cool hip sports net. So look out, here we come. I, I don't think, uh, and by the way, I know, um, our, our, our stylist over the years, Deb Ber- Berman's going to kill me now because I brought up their clothes, but, uh, 
You know, uh, the clothes are fantastic. I, I think it's Elliot's hair that's throwing me off. Hey, so, man, listen, we, um, you weren't you, you didn't have to interview this guy during the pandemic when uh, when things really got wild with Elliot's hair. So I'll take the the new version as an upgrade as far as I'm concerned. Did we see anything remotely as stylish on the ice last night between the Leafs and Ottawa uh, like the panel last night? Because that one's a that one and Elliot referenced it, man. That That's a tough game to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, talking about our, uh, the mothership here at Sportsnet, I, I try, I didn't want to be critical because the broadcast was lovely, but that game was a tough watch, man. Like it's just, it's that time of year, I guess, where the guys, you know, are with new lines, unfamiliar lineups, some of them with new coaches and new systems. Uh, the timing is not there. The crowd is not exactly full. It's Ottawa to begin with. So yeah, it was a bit of a tough watch last night, but it was an opportunity for some guys to shine who, I think we're in a position uh, where Sheldon Keefe was saying, I want you to do something, make me force my hand a little bit. And I think I saw that from Pierre Engvall. You know, he's a guy that Keefe beats up on quite a bit, but Engvall was a guy last night who stood out. He looked like an NHL player, perhaps because he's 6'5 and skates like the wind. But like, I don't know about you. I I thought Engvall was a guy who, and Rasmus Sandin, but Engvall stood out to me. So we, we, we look at that lineup and you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to figure out that uh, this is all about the bottom six for the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? There's no Tavares, yeah. there's no Nylander, there's no Marner, uh, Matthews is getting ready, uh, no Tavares. So this is now about essentially the bottom six and who's auditioning and there's only so many chairs and Engvall. Two goals last night, and you mentioned them. And did Keith, did Sheldon actually say something nice about him as well after the game? Oof. I mean, I think it happened. Well, do we have a clip there? Should we run the clip? Let's do it. <laughs> yes, let's do it for proof. Oh, Sammy, you got us? All right. Well, we'll have to talk over it while they get the clips up and running there. Uh, but trust the, us, it was it was a nice compliment from Sheldon, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it's just so unusual is the biggest thing for me. Like knowing that Engvall has become the whipping boy for this guy, it has been. Uh, hold on, we do have the clip. Okay, let's run the clip. Yeah, it's nice to get him in. Like you said, he, you know, when you're when you're when you're in camp and you're a guy that's competing for for ice time and your spot in you know in the lineup. It's tough to be out while other guys are out playing and competing and, and showing themselves. Uh, so to have him get back to health uh, to the point that he could play today was big for him and us. It was good to see him. I thought, uh, you know, a big guy that skates like that, he always, you know, brings something to the lineup, and it was important to have for us to have a, a, you know that other presence tonight. See, there it is right there, right? Yeah. But but there's there's just those those key words out of Sheldon. Big guy who can skate. So when you're skating and you're a big guy and you're getting noticed, you can play. Yeah. But how many nights have we seen this guy not get noticed, not look big, and not skate the way he can? 
Well, it's the ultimate frustration is like if you did a bunch of drills, like a skating camp, he might be the fastest skater in the Toronto Maple Leafs. He might be the strongest guy in the gym. He can shoot it as hard as just about anyone on the team. And it's so frustrating because you want him to bring it every night. You have that expectation for him to do that. And he needs a kick in the butt. Like he's just one of those guys. You know, you and I briefly had this chat uh, when we went for drinks on Friday, but, like, I needed that sometimes. I don't know about you. I needed sometimes somebody, like, to, to give me a swift one to bring it, but uh, that that was not in a – you probably have less respect for that than I do because uh, you're someone who just brought it naturally, eh? Well, and that's that's the whole key, I think, when, when you look at, at a bottom six is that you just have to have willing participants. And – there is an occasion where your coach has to wake you up, but if it's a constant man, you will not be there. And that is, I think the ultimate question for some of these guys is if they can get noticed and listen, anybody, anytime a guy can score, it feels good. And, you know, Engvall had a good shot last night, but ultimately he doesn't have to score. No. Like, I, I'd but he rather, doesn't want to play the way to listen, do the other things. You I, know? I would, I, if I'm Sheldon, say it, it's nice that you score, but I don't need you to score. You see, you see our forty million dollars. We can score. Okay, yeah. I just need you to be a prick. Can you do that? If you can do that, you can play. If you can't, let's move on. And that's so, where those guys have to understand that bottom six role. You've got to be tough to play against. And again, we, we talk about the Leafs and we, we look at that bottom six against Montreal. And if I'm looking across and I see Engvall, Spezza, Kerfoot, Mihailov, <laughs> like, Thornton, an ineffective Wayne Simmons, like I'm... I'm licking my chops to play against that third line and that fourth line. There's nobody there that's scaring me. There's nobody intimidating me. And look at this past Stanley Cup champions over the course of, right, go three, four, five years. And just those those pricks that I'm talking about. You know, you want to go to uh, Kyle Clifford and, and Lewis and, and Nolan in L.A.? You want to go, you want to go, uh, Washington, even their stars was amongst the, the hardest hitters to play against, like Wilson and Ovechkin. But forget those. Eller was hard to play against. You know, Smith Pelly was on top of his game in that short period of time. Chandler Stevenson was a hard guy to play against. Sammy Blay, right? And, and, and Sunquist hard heavy guys for st louis and then best example justin coleman gord yeah uh you know goudreau here's the question though kipper have you ever seen anyone become that i know i know i know and that's but has anyone ever become that in your recollection like a guy like engvall who didn't play that way naturally that's not how he wants to play have you ever seen anyone change their stripes? Uh, like, I, I don't know about you, but I not just... Not really, I, to be honest no. with you. I, not, I know. Not really. Not, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it really 
is tough to happen when you're 26, 27, and 28. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot harder of a sell. And you know, there's some guys that just like it doesn't come naturally. Um I look but at Kipper, that blue you're line. a great example, Kip. You're a great example because you scored goals in junior. You scored a bajillion goals. And then you changed the way you play. You're actually I a great was, example. It, it was it was honestly for me it was a light switch and uh here i am i'm coming i came off a junior one of the biggest goal scorers in ohl history um top 20 and i've made all-star teams and and now i go to the american league and i have a little bit of success there i scored like 24 goals uh seven game winners when we won the calder cup and i i got a little bit of success there yeah and then i i go to washington and it and it's not there and Brian Murray calls me into center ice and the night before I fought Chris King in Madison square garden. And you would have thought I scored a hat trick for him. And he (laughs) was just the happiest coach that I showed up. And he's like, we so need that. We so need that. Can, can can you just bring that for us every night? And I'm like, I just want to be on a hockey card. That's it. I mean, everything <laughs> else your is a goal, bonus yeah, from a here. Card? This get, I yeah. just want to be on an Opeachy hockey card. You know, I want to look at my <laughs> picture of myself and smell that cheap bubble gum. And yeah. that's it. I just, I went out there and I tried to hit everything that moved. And uh, when there's an opportunity to, you know, fight a Robin or Robert Dirk, when he takes a run at Dino Cicerelli, I'm jumping in. And I just don't know, you know, if Engvall's got that mentality. He says he's more physical this year. We'll see. If that's the case, then he can play on a third line. Yeah, I think the frustration, part of the frustration is that they paid him too much money. Because if he was making league minimum or he were making 800 or 900, you'd say, play on the fourth line. Anything we get from you is gravy. But because the salary cap is as tight as it is with those superstars, you give him 1.25. And then there's some expectations on his play that he do more than just dump it in and forecheck and finish checks. Like, I'm not saying he needs to do what you did and go yeah. fight, but he just needs yeah. to, to bring something I, uh, when he isn't producing offensively. Like, uh, I, I get if he's making two or two five, but is that that big of a difference two five is not when, it, when it comes to expectations from 700 to 1.25? Like, he uh, is what he is. Maybe not. Yeah. But, you know, well, the other thing, I think it's a a, a I should should I say abundantly clear or abundantly clear? Is that <laughs> well done. Is, well is done. Bunting needs to be a bottom six guy. He he should not so. start on the top two lines. Because because he I'm brings that element. Why. Because he brings that element that I'm talking about. That that I, I watch him and it, it it's just natural. It comes naturally for him to be a prick. It comes naturally for him to accidentally on purpose bump into a guy and trip him at center ice uh, like he did last night. And what he is going to be able to do, Justin, with that that type of play is that he's going to be able to drag people in the fight. It's going to be really hard for, for, uh, for, for Engvall to go out there and potentially play with bunting on the third line 
and not get dragged in. And if he doesn't get mm -hmm. dragged in willingly, then you get to make the decision to get get rid of him really quick. That's a that's a good one. the The bunting thing is interesting because everyone is so obsessed with the loss of Zach Hyman and finding someone who plays like like Zach Hyman. Like those, there's not many Zach Hymans in the league. So Bunting is not going to be Zach Hyman. You're right. He plays the role he plays. He's physical. You know, I think uh, Gabriel called him a greasy rat. You know, like that is sort of his game. It's not, he's not Zach Hyman. But so you're no, right. He's, he's probably not. better and suited to a third line. I, I don't, I, so I, then who's on second line? Zach, Zach is heavier. So Zach will naturally create lanes, right? He's like the parting of the Red Sea for, for the likes of, of Matthews or, or Marner or Tavares uh, to come through and do their magic. Bunting's not like that. Bunting plays a different physical game. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to bring up to you is that look at Bunting's goals uh, with the redirects or playing in front of the net mm. or the tips or the, you know... Uh, uh, the quick um, off the post, you know, redirect. Those goals are awfully similar to me as John Tavares's. Like, yep. I think you I put agree. Bunting and Tavares together, they're going to fight over the same space of ice. Because I, I think they mm. score similar goals. I think that's a great call. You know, what is interesting then is could, you know, is Nick Ritchie going to be that guy for Matthews and Marner? Is Bunting maybe better suited there? Like, I understand he's a third-line grit-and-grind kind of guy, but I like the the part of the ice that he takes up. You know, just what you're talking about is not where Matthews and Marner live, so is there some value having him with those guys? I guess Ritchie. this brings us to a bigger conversation. Yeah, but what, what do you what do you think the, the left-wing situation is on yeah. this hockey team right now? You know, it seems like Tavares and Nylander have an opening on their side. You know, Richie seems like he's going to get the audition with Matthews and Marner. We've got a lot of names here, like, you know, Kerfoot, uh, Mikheyev, Engvall, Brooks, Gabriel, Robertson, yeah. Hosang. Like, there's a lot of names. I don't know who you like or how you see it shaking out in the top six. Well, now, now you're the difference between... Engvall and and, uh, and the expectations of a Nick Ritchie and now Nick Ritchie's at two and a half million and no it's not five but I'll tell you what it might as well be five it might as well be seven because Nick Ritchie has to come in and and be that guy that we had just mentioned he's got to be a heavy body that that opens up lanes and that's where he's got to come in and and replace Hyman the only thing I worry about is is, is whether or not he can skate and, and keep up. Like Hyman was a very good skater for, for a big man and getting in on the four check and, and starting those openings. And if, if Nick Ritchie can keep up, then, then he's got a chance. And, you know, he, he has a fear factor in him and it's, it's not Tom Wilson, but it's, it's it's a tear underneath it, and that's good enough. Yeah. In the year two thousand and twenty, way underneath it, <laughs> he's he, he he's got plenty. He's got plenty. There are guys out there that that are scared of Nick Ritchie. I assure you, and yeah. I hope I hope he plays 
like he knows that because that's an element I, I think this team needs and it needs it desperately. It does. And, you know, I think the criticism of him is actually fairly comparable to what we were talking about with Engvall when it was like, we know he can do all these things, but sometimes we have to make him do it and it doesn't come naturally to him. Like it's not his internal build. I was looking at, you know, it's funny, you and I had originally talked about having a Kyle Lou discussion, which we're going to another day. Um, I don't think we'll get to it today. But um, one of the things that I was also looking at the New York Islanders roster earlier today, they are laden with players who just want to go like J.G. Pajot and Casey Zizekas and Matt Martin and, and Clutterbuck and Zach Parisi. And yeah, make all the jokes you want, Kyle Palmieri, about those guys about being old and yada, yada. They all are guys who have a, a, just a built-in motor. They just want to play and they want the puck and they want to win. Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, you know, a couple of burners in Barzal and Bavillier. But like they have those guys and I feel like the Leafs have so much talent guys that need a kick in the ass. That seems to be a fundamental difference for me. Well, and based on what we saw in all, all or nothing, uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle's guy, Sheldon Keefe shouldn't have any issues, you know, doing that. I think he's going to, he'll do it. I think he's, I think Kyle, or uh, I, I don't know about Kyle, but I think Sheldon will have uh, a shorter fuse for some of these guys because of the sense of urgency Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, Brandon and Kyle will also feel this year. So it's, it's up to them. They want to go and play hard, get their noses dirty, drag people in the fight. Now you've got a chance to prepare for the Stanley cup playoffs. But as we've seen over the past couple of years, they, they play one way to get you in the playoffs, which is great but mm-hmm. it's it's not built for the second season and and we'll see where it goes and you know Hosang's another one right now there's again i think the panel was mentioning last night could he could he crack the lineup and i, I don't necessarily look at a guy that the team's in desperate need of to create offense or be a second line power play guy right now that that that's not at the top of my list mm-hmm. in what we need to show getting out of the gate. And that's not to say that he can't earn himself a contract, but I mean, you you can't, you just can't go having the career that he's had right into playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I don't buy that for one second. I don't care how many, how many convincing conversations he had with Kyle or Sheldon or Brendan, but yeah. this is Ho Sang. Okay. And there's, there's a history there and put him with the Marlies, see how that goes, you know, make sure someone can help him set his alarm clock so he can make it to practice yeah. and just start building up some credibility. That's where it's going to start for Hosang. Well, it's funny. Like you watch preseason every year and we all get talked into someone, you know, like the, in Hosang, and not that I'm saying he can't play, but just he's had a good preseason and, you know, watching him, he's got, he can do some things that other people can't. And I was talking with Sam uh, McKee before uh, the show and just, you know, that 
you talk yourself into that the guys who can do elite things like that should be in the league, but they 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 can't always do everything else. You know, can he get the puck back? Can he do it when the game gets tougher against top guys? He's going to have to play in the top six or, or close two to be in the NHL. And then you're playing against top, top competition, and it's kind of fallen off when he's had to play better lines. That's another clip we do have. Derek, I don't know. Do we ha- Can we play that one? Perfect. Let's do that from Sheldon Keefe. Yeah, I think he's been good in that area. I think you can tell he's really trying hard, you know, to, to be good in those areas. I think, uh, you know, here as we've as we have come into this week here and things have gone a little tougher today is you know the toughest game that we've played to this point in terms of you know the roster we played against you know that's by and large you know an NHL team over there you know they're missing a few guys but uh, generally that's that's uh, you know majority of their their players are in the game um, the competition's getting getting tougher and also the camp starting to get tough like you know we've been through a lot here the guys have worked hard and that so I I think Josh is not playing at the same level now that he was last week um you know so that that's been that's been a little bit tougher for him but the work that he's put in the attitude that he's had and the approach that he's taking all the way through this I've been very impressed with him um so that's been very positive to see for a guy that's coming in and looking to you know get a chance here those first four uh few years with with Kyle uh and Sheldon and Brendan, after Lou went, after Lou left, the emphasis was skill, 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 skill. They didn't care one iota if it was 5'8 or 6'3. Skill, skill, skill. And that's not to say that that's not Hosang. We know that. I mean, he was drafted. We know the magic uh, coming out of uh, junior and then turning pro. Is there a reason in the world this guy couldn't be Barzell or shouldn't have been a, a Barzell in the NHL by now? And the answer is no. But right now, the last little while, the emphasis is more now on on big for Kyle. Kyle's a little bit on, on a big uh, train ride right now, and that may not be good for Hosang, especially if, if he doesn't see him in a, in a top six. But, hey – Maybe sign him to the Marlies, be a depth yeah. guy. Somebody gets hurt, comes in for stretches of a week, two weeks. That sounds more of a, like a possibility, doesn't Justin? It does. It does. And, you know, it's, you know, I think that one is pretty much done. I think he's going to the Marlies and that's what's going to happen. If there's some injuries and he has a great run, maybe we see him again. Uh, doesn't seem like a guy who's going to start with uh, the Leafs. Another guy from last night that we had talked about, Kipper, uh, was Rasmus Sandin. What, did, what was your impression? I think he played like 24 or 25 minutes last night. How, how do you think it went for him? I, I like him. I do. And I think yeah. there, there's tremendous upside. And I don't think they're they're wrong in their assessment that this guy could one day come in and, and be, uh, a, a, I don't know, a 1-2, a 2-3. Yeah. And... And and lead a, a a power play, uh, is he is he ready right now? Certainly, he'll be in a position to to make this roster. I've got no qualms about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the skill level's there. We, we can see that. My big concern for Sandine and to a, a lesser extent. You know, with Lilligren too, because the expectations just aren't there with him, is still 
where are these guys, Justin, to defend? You know, that to me, it's defend. If you can, can, if you can defend, you can actually buy time to get all the other great things going. But if you have at times trouble defending, like Sandine showed us in that first round, then it's it's still a tough sale to ask a lot out of him. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my issue for some of these kids. Lilligren, first rounder. This guy is he's now five years in his development, right? So yep. he is what he is. He if if he makes the team, he will be a serviceable player, but he will never live up to first round standards. That that that's passed by, but can he can he can he be a seat filler, right? Can he come in and and, and munch some minutes if you need on occasion? There's an opportunity, but right now, defending to me is the number one priority when we talk about these guys. And Sandin did actually a a, a pretty good job last night um, against a a lineup that was as. It's probably as deep as we will see all year out of Ottawa Senators. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ottawa basically can get uh, you know Brady Kachuk in the mix and, and really not much else to add to that party. So I, I guess my takeaway is just, you know, where is he going to fit, Rasmus Sandin? So I really liked him last night. Like, I thought there was a couple times where uh, the other team had speed, the auto had speed through the middle, and he was able to like get over top of them really tight, like gap up early and sort of slow guys down, like really kind of control bigger bodies. Even though he's not a big guy, he was able to be in good enough spaces to manipulate them. Like I, I really like Sandine. I'm confident about the player he can be. But my question is, you know, yeah. f- for you, if we have the top four built and he's in your on your bottom pair. How does it fit? Like the puzzle pieces for the Leafs is like, okay, he's more talented than some grinder you would have on the fourth or sorry, in the third pair. But like, don't you want someone who's just kind of a grunt that can kill penalties and defend in their own end? And, well, that, that, you're right. You're right. I, I think that uh, uh, between Morgan and him, he's going to have, if he makes the squad, I mean, you just cannot do what you did to him in the playoffs and then ignore the fact that uh, you can't find him quality power play minutes. So that's, I think that's the focus right now is that bring him in as a, as a five, six and then find ways for him to get on the ice. And, you know, as far as Muzzin and Hall, those guys aren't going anywhere. And, Take take a look at Justin Hall's play every time Muzzin left and how he dropped off. This guy needs Muzzin really badly uh, to have a good year. And for Muzzin, of course, the key is just staying healthy, right? Yeah. Didn't you? I, I, did you like, like, could Hall you, handle a pair, though? Like, Kipper, like if you went Hall on the third pair with Sandine and let Dermot play the right side with Muzzin, does that make Sandine and Dermot more useful, having a, a more veteran partner? Like a Sandine Dermot pair kind of scares me. You know, if, that, yeah. if that's, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, and I, also, like, are I those think, guys going to kill penalties? I don't know. I think there's merit to, 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 to find ways to, to get Sandine, maybe even with. Muzzin, I mean, mm-hmm. something, something that can kind of just push it a little bit. Uh, but again, if 
if he can't defend, if there's scenarios now where you're just you're not comfortable with him in your own end defending, then then you you got to back off. Let's uh, why don't we listen to the clip of Keith, his thoughts on Rasmus Sandin's game last night? Um, if uh, Derek, if we can run that one. Yeah, really big. In particular, I mean, Muzzin and Dermot both were supposed to play tonight, and they were supposed to be in this lineup, and, and uh, we had to make some last-minute changes. Uh, and you know, so it creates other opportunities for guys. And then uh, Rasmus is one that I thought, not just his minutes, but also his matchups change because he's playing against uh, their best players all the time. He killed the penalties uh, very well tonight. So I thought it was a really strong effort uh, by him. So maybe he can kill penalties, Kipper. Uh, listen, he's a talented guy. There's, there's. Yeah. I think ultimately. There shouldn't be anything that he can't do. But yeah. when, you, when you talk about now playing the National Hockey League and having success, you have to have a certain responsibility. And uh, I'll even I'll bring it back up to the forwards just for this one time because we haven't mentioned him yet, and that's Nick Robertson, okay? Mm. And yeah. I think he's got a chance to be a hell of a player, but Nick's timing and where the team needs to be isn't matching right now it's just he's just he's too light for me and it defending will be tough on him as well uh uh, the blue and white game do you remember the exchange with him and marner yeah i do yeah okay he 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 hunted him down mitch yeah well he gave him a good slash against the wrist too uh let's not let's not forget (laughs) that which you know don't mind at all and guy's hungry hunting down a guy, do whatever you have to do. But when the play, after the play came off the wall, if you want to go back and revisit one more time, because I know you probably would, because you got every clip in your computer I've ever seen in the last 60 years (laughs) of hockey. Right. But go take a look at the push that Marner gives Robertson behind the net. And he pushes back about six or eight feet and actually, seconds later, Marner is right back in front of the net and Robertson's off the play because of the push Marner gave him. Mm-hmm. And if that's Mitch Marner pushing you six or eight feet, what's the rest of the league going to do to you? Just yeah, yeah. Let, let, him, let him get stronger. If that means starting out with the, the Marlies, so be it. Overcook them down there, man. Let them stay hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, I and, and you know what? Let's not forget. It, it worked for Nylander. Think yep. about the long stretch that Nylander. Were you there with Nylander? I was. Yeah. Okay. How how dominated with dominating was he with the Marlins? Uh, yeah, he was one of the most one of the best players in the league before he came up. Like clearly one of the three best players in the league. You know, like with, that is some... with his eyes closed. Yeah. Like Nick Robertson is needs the opportunity to find that and the confidence that comes with dominating, you know, full grown men at that level, um, the way Nylander was. You know, what strikes out to me or stands out to me is you know, the Leafs obsession and the Dubas obsession was exactly what you said it was. It's skill. Skill, skill, skill. You can never have too much of it. And then the team 
got this core four of hyper-skilled guys and then continue to draft skill, skill, skill. Sandine and Lilligren and Robertson all come to mind, which is great because you can, you know, they, as you say, they can find waiver guys and grunts and all that in other places. But it's not what this organization needs now because, yeah, they have goal scoring. They have offense. They have power play guys. Maybe Nick Robertson would be an awesome fit for Arizona this year or an awesome fit for Detroit or a Buffalo or a team that needs skill. But you're, you're right in that this team is not at a place where it needs that so the puzzle pieces just don't fit. Maybe he's ready, but he's not ready for this Leafs team. So it may he'll, he'll whether it's right or wrong, he he's going to get some overseasoning because yeah. he's waiver exempt, and most of these yeah. other guys aren't. And I had suggested maybe using Robertson as a as a trade bait guy mm-hmm. last year to 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 find them somebody. And I mentioned back then that uh, Sam Bennett's available, and I'm like. That's that's the type of guy that you need. Sam Bennett is exactly what you need. And unfortunately, uh, Nick Foligno, they went Nick Foligno. They thought they were going to get a Sam Bennett type with Nick Foligno, and it didn't work out. Uh, Whether he came hurt or he hurt himself when he was here, he just, it just wasn't there. And that was a first rounder. Like, what would you do with that first rounder right now if oh, you could boy. get it? Oh boy! Right? Oh, and that's where that's where Kyle that's where Kyle's kind of painted himself in a corner a little bit here, uh, in terms of now hoping and praying that Richie and Bunting yeah. can come in and 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 be that type of guy. It is funny the like turnaround. You mentioned that he's on sort of a size train right now. Look at the guys he's brought in recently. Like you know they they go first rounder for Nick Felino, big guy who plays tough. Nick Ritchie's got to be six three. Uh, Camp is six two. Bunting six two or three. You know like all the guys he's brought Gabriel. in are big bodies. Yeah, Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah, right. So that he is on a bit of a run of saying, "Okay, I recognize that we have the talent now. We just need some guys who can, uh, you know, get around out there." It's a it's well, a large, hey, listen, strong league. He's learning, right? He, he he tried something, and it didn't work. At least, you know, the 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 best thing you can do is utter the words, "I was wrong," right? It's it's okay. You're human. You're learning, right? Everybody talked about you being inexperienced. Well, now you got some experience, right? Yeah. Little yep. fellers don't work sometimes in this game, right? Got to be awfully good. Got to be awfully good if you're small.